This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you after the international break. We've had a bit of a rest, a bit of a marathon run there before that one. So it's only a month, but it feels like forever. But now we're back getting potty for it. Got a game at the weekend against Arsenal. 5.30 kickoff on uh, BT Sport, as it used to be called, TNT, which uh, sort of sounds like something out of some sort of kind of cartoon show, actually. You know what I'm saying? So... Not quite sure what's going on there. But anyway, we've got a match on TNT. Like I said to you, Arsenal game is in the house on Saturday. New Griffin Park. Everyone's going to be getting up nice and early for that. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Well, my name is Billy Grant. I'm sitting here back in the virtual joint after a couple of weeks off. We were going to do a podcast last week, but we decided against it because we needed a bit of a rest and there's lots and lots going on in both of our lives. So we kind of left it. So I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my man Laney. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you, mate. Yeah, uh, as you said, uh, good to have a couple of weeks off. Um, raring to go for, for Arsenal. Good to come back um, after the international break with a, with a cracker like that. Should be a really, really good game under the lights at, uh, at New Griffin Park. So, yeah, a bit, bit potty for that one, mate. That's right. Um, it, it's not un- Uncle Cracker by any chance, is it? No, it's not, no. Okay, I was just checking just to make sure. I think we did an Uncle Cracker joke actually probably about six or seven years ago when we used to do the old school podcast in the pub. But I had to I had to reel it out again. You're probably thinking, what the hell is he talking about, Uncle Cracker? But you remember, follow you, follow me, or whatever it was. I can't remember. Anyway, we shall move on. So anyway, listen, we've got loads to talk about on this podcast. Obviously, we had the Liverpool game, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, we're harking back to the Liverpool game, also listening to what the fans had to say, both Brentford and Liverpool fans. There's quite an interesting Liverpool fan in there as well. We had to leave him in the clip, actually. Um, um, Terry Terry the Switcher, you know what I'm saying? As far as Dave called him. <laughs> what did you call him? I don't you know, know, but I, I had to actually push. I had to physically push him away at the end it was, uh, it was so, like yeah a bit odd yeah there's uh 
uh, by by Scouser, I think you called him, like you know, what I'm saying, yeah. which is yeah, because he uh, <laughs> he says one thing one minute and then another thing another. But anyway, so we've got that as well. We've also got JB in the house actually talking about losses and Liverpool and 1889 and all sorts as well. We've got Beast Breakdown. We've got the Gowler, the Beast Breakdown too, giving a statistical and 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 tactical lowdown on on the Liverpool game and the Arsenal game as well. And also we've got a special guest. I had a little chat to Turkish from A. FTV, Arsenal Fan TV as well. And he's having a good old chinwag about Arsenal. So we got all this on the show later. So definitely loads to check out. But like I said to you, International Week. Um, I, I, this is a bit of a sort of kind of like, I, I actually like this week after International Week because this is the week where you have the, not the trepidation, but you're looking in anticipation, right, for what's going to be to come the following summer. Uh, International Week's over. England have qualified and all the other teams as well have qualified as well or not qualified as the case may be. And you're just waiting, waiting for the draw. The 2nd of December is the draw for the Euros where we know exactly where we're going to be playing and who we're going to be playing in Germany. And for me, it's a very, very exciting time. And I know for a lot of Brentford fans out there as well, some other Brentford fans may not be that excited about it and others might be Ireland fans or Welsh fans or Scottish fans or may just have no interest whatsoever. But I'm very excited. And like I said to you, International Week, England had two games. Um, They've already qualified pretty much by then they qualified already so it's kind of one of those ones where they had to sort of turn up and players had to make sure they didn't get injured and then they just sort of kind of went back home and they got the cap and they uh, do that but you know to be fair it was all good but international week like i said to you laney um you're glad it's all over in a way aren't you kind of i mean i i, I was speaking just personally here I, i've watching england in qualifying groups has become so monotonous and, and boring and and underwhelming and just not as exciting as it as it could be and should be you know I, you know i'm not we're not going to go into this too much but it seems to be we're wasting the most exciting generation of, of england players that i can remember by playing sideways dull football but um, you know, obviously getting through to the the tournaments is is, is exciting. Um, I look for, always look forward to those, and you know the way they end is, is normally a, an anticlimax. But we are we are improving, and there's reason for us to be hopeful. But I, I, the, the byproduct of England's predictable qualification is I can actually just switch off completely from football for a couple of weeks and just take a take a deep intake of breath where I, I probably I mean I watch neither of the games which is really unlike me you know I used to go to them with you um, and then I used to watch them and then I used to dip in occasionally and now like you couldn't pay me at the moment so it's um yeah I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad that the the, the the domestic you know the Brentford campaigns back because you know that's that's way more exciting than watching England that's right that's right and listen at the end of the day everyone has their opinions and their views at the end of the day qualification for england and this is not an england podcast but we just got mentioned it as well because you know it does feed into brentford to a certain extent because you know even though i was there in the pub and and, and we were talking about the fact that rico henry i mean they talk about the fake rico you know actually played at left back for england and even my mates in the pub were going god that rico henry i mean he, you know if he can get in the game and they're not slagging him they're just saying you know there's no reason why you know rico henry couldn't have, couldn't have been there and he should have definitely would have definitely been there so there's little pangs of sort of kind of sort of like you know not unhappiness like you know that you know some of our players also ivan tony is a shoo-in he's an absolute shoo-in for those two matches an absolute shoo-in for kind of going into the euros and, and everything like that next year so this for me is looking at what the stepping stones are going to be for next year and for me the one thing that i said and i said it on AFTV um interview which you'll be able to check out it's probably out now by the time you listen to this as well i said you know listen ivan tony i really do hope and i believe that he's going to stay with us between now and the summer because for me i really want to have a scenario where you have a brentford player going out in an england shirt in a major tournament 
and actually going out there and, and a tournament that they can win as well. And for me, you know, if he leaves in the summer, but he's left as, a, as an England Euros winner, for me, that is job done as far as I'm concerned. So that's why I'm, I'm very excited about kind of what's going to be happening in the summer. But anyway, forget about the Euros. Forget about all that nonsense, you know what I'm saying? We're going to go back to the weekend when we went up to Liverpool. We went up to Liverpool to go and check out Brentford, taking on Liverpool, and fingers crossed, hopefully, winning for the first time ever. All right, JB's got some stats on that, and they're pretty incredible. In fact, in fact, actually just even scoring a goal. Anyway, we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to talk about... So Liverpool, we went up to Liverpool and uh, we actually went up on a little bit of a day trip this time. Normally we go up and we do an overnighter. And as everyone knows, it's, you know, it's a bit of an in-joke between our lot. You know, what I do at the beginning of the season, I sit down and I look at the fixtures and I literally book. I spend about sort of like half a day booking hotels in every single fixture venue around the country for every possible date we're going to play them. And uh, everyone laughs because they sort of come to me as a hotel broker because they know that I've got about sort of eight or nine or ten hotels for every date that we might possibly be playing the game. And just coming back to England, I've done the time I've actually had to going to do that now i've looked at it and i've actually platted all the all the cities that england potentially could be playing in before the draw is made in a few weeks time and i'm going to literally take half a day to set and plot up all the different hotels so i'm going to have about i reckon about sort of kind of about 60 probably about 80 hotels booked within the next few days all right in all the different combinations of where england is going to play you might think what the hell is going on here but trust me when the fixtures are announced and the prices go sky high then it's all over so you've got to get in early so that's what i'm going to be doing uh in the, over the weekend um after we've beaten arsenal oops did i say that actually kind of just mm. going to rewind that one but anyway going back to the weekend liverpool um we went up there with um you know quite good hopes actually it's a bit of a rare one for us me and laney actually went up on the train you know what i'm saying with uh with my daughter bella and uh and, and her friend as well you know charlie so we went up there you know a bit of cards on the train it's a bit of an old school trip for us as well and it's almost one of those ones where you can kind of on the day have a bit of anticipation looking forward to this match and uh i think we went there just a little bit hopeful we knew that liverpool were a good side but there was a little bit of hope in there that we might get something out of it wasn't it laney yeah, it was an absolutely cracking day. Really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, you know, decent, not too early a start. You know, a, 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 you know, a reasonable, reasonable um, train time out. Um, had a few train beers, didn't we? Played a bit of cards. A um, couple of really good beers beforehand. Watched the game. A couple of good beers and a chat with the uh, Liverpool characters after the game and then me and you bickered all the way back on the on the train about <laughs> the old about the old days and how much better they were than the new ones so now that we also actually have a conversation about that on on the pod in in a few weeks maybe the next next international one but yeah overall a brilliant brilliant day out um it was it was a you know, one to remember the result not so much um you know but uh, i thought we i thought we did all right and you know liverpool are champ you know they're competing for the title um you know whether they're going to be strong enough but you know we didn't really help ourselves um we created chances but brian mbumo couldn't do it all himself he tried um but you know we were we were missing missing someone else big up top to uh, to help out um but yeah and there, there, there were positives and there were negatives but but uh, an interesting game and a shame shame we had to finish that last kind of segment of the season on on a losing losing note because we we we'd won the other games um since the previous international break so yeah it was but you know it's it's going to happen at this level and, but, and, and that's actually a flip side, because if you look at what happened last international, um, last exactly a year ago, 
was the exact opposite, where we came into that international break on a bit of a struggler. I mean, we drew with Forest, we'd lost a couple of games beforehand, and we thought, oh, what's going to be going on here? Then bang, we beat Man City. So again, these things, you know, the swings and roundabouts, as they say. So like I said to you, we didn't get the result, you know, against Liverpool, but uh, it was a good day out. Now, listen, uh, you've heard what we've had to say a little bit, but we're going to go over and just relive thoughts of the fans both Liverpool and Brentford fans directly after the final whistle in the stands and also in the pub after the game I think Yarmouluk came on and Yarmouluk looked really really good I'd like to see Yarmouluk get a start on the wing at some point maybe in an FA Cup game maybe earlier than that but I thought Yarmouluk was a plus side and you know we come to Anfield full stadium we've not come away embarrassed at all unfortunately at Anfield we haven't quite got it together yet but I really trust Thomas Frank to come back next year and get a win I really do I think that he works on this kind of thing and Thomas Frank will be really hurting from this result and he will want to come back and get a result in the last 10 minutes we really turned it on with the passing game and stuff but I don't know it's uh it, it just if the goal was like two meters higher and just on the left we would have bagged five uh so it was just one of those days wasn't it well, all i can say is if it was rugby we would have scored 15 points <laughs> and why is that then explain to people that didn't see the game over the top of the bar uh, we, we created a fair bit it i think liverpool were just a bit tidier with finishing their chances I thought Salah was exceptional today. I think you could see the difference between Salah and Bumo, just in the way the ball sticks to Salah. I don't think you actually appreciate how good he is when you watch him on telly, but when you watch him in person and you see his close control, he's he's really second to nobody in this league in terms of in terms of that. But I actually thought we gave a reasonable account of ourselves. You know what? We're a patched up team, and we were really patched up today. Mads Rosleb. He's no left back and he's definitely no left wing back. And that's just, you could have helped played Yen out there maybe, but that's purely down to the fact that we've run out of players. I think Brentford are very, very good at what they do. So set pieces, fantastic what they do. And you can see that they're very well organised. Fi- final third, if, if Wemo had a bit more conviction, you get that goal back and it's a different game. But I think he just looks up, sees Alisson and just... Scared's not the word, but he just doesn't know what to do. Sees a goalkeeper in front of him, doesn't know what to do. If he scores there, we're in trouble. And there was a few times at the back where we played it round, and you're so close, so close to just nicking the ball. That second goal basically killed you off, because they thought the ball was dead. I think the ball goes out, so everyone stops. And it's at that point where Brentford just go, yeah, we'll, we'll take this now. I, I came here thinking that we might, might squeeze something out, and after the first half, actually was quite encouraged, because we put in a really good first half performance. Apparently, if you look at the XG stats, we did better than Liverpool on yeah, the You're not interested in that because you don't believe in that. It's all about the goals going to the back of the net, though, isn't it? You took the words right out of my mouth. You took them out because, you know, Liverpool were clinical. They scored three great goals. Good goals. Not great goals. Good goals. And uh, we didn't have. And as Matt mentioned earlier at the start, if Mbwemo could trap the ball like Salah could, he wouldn't be playing for us. He would be playing on a really top three, top three team. I think a bit more clinical. I think the firepower we've we've got, Billy, just means that you know when the chances emerge or the chances present themselves, we put them away. And I'm sure you guys are looking at it and think the big chance at the cop end at nil nil, and it's a one on one. And, and there's a couple at the start of the second half as well. And you know if those had gone in, but for, for us, you know the, the firepower we've got, Mo Salah, 
only gets two chances a day and scores them both. And I think that's the difference between us this year and maybe a couple of years ago. Is the obviously Salah's been here for all that time, but there's five forwards now who are at a really elite level, and if one of them's having a bad day, the others normally step up. And so, yeah, we're pretty formidable this season. Not necessarily because we're tearing teams apart or we're dominating 90 minutes, but because of the firepower we've got, we're able to put these chances away. So We get to grips with what Brentford are good at at about 30 minutes, and that makes it a little bit more straightforward. Still not easy because Brentford are good at what they're good at. Brilliant from breakdowns, brilliant from restarts, dead switched on in terms of where to pick the ball up and recover it. Loads of good direct running. You know, it's a good side. It's a side I quite like to watch. The extent to which is Miss Rico Henry is hard to put into words. I like. I think it's it's striking to me that you miss him well more than you miss Tony. I think you miss him so much because you can't play through the thirds the way you like to because he can carry the ball 30, 40 yards at any point. So he's good at, and you haven't really got that out to relieve the pressure at times when you need it. I wasn't scared. No, you I, said you were worried. No. Liverpool had two bad games on the bounce. You said you were worried. No, Liverpool had two bad games on the bounce. I was worried Liverpool would have a third game on the bounce. But I knew Liverpool were too strong for Brentford all day long. Tell you something. If you know, we turned up, we would roast Brentford. And really, we did. We turned up. And what did Brentford do? Book all night been a shot on target, it's I remember. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You that all you want? It's brilliant. You, you turn the microphone on. And the story changes. Yeah. Yes, he's um, by Scouser. Yeah. I mean, he did make a few points. You know, you know, you, you could say we didn't turn up, but I think I think we I think we did. I thought Liverpool were just better than us. Three three nil looks like a smashing. And I think you know I, I haven't heard what's come before on the on the podcast, but you know it, it didn't feel like a three nil game. I, I've had a good day out, and now I'm gonna. F- Coffee. <laughs> There you have it. The fans after the game. Liverpool fans, I mean, listen, you know, somebody else said to me, he listened to the podcast and he said to me, oh my word. He goes, that's some, in fact, there's a few people actually had listened to it who don't normally listen as well. They listened in, they said, oh, do, do you normally get that? I mean, you've, you've got the opposition fans on there and, and there's like a really good dialogue between you and, and it's actually really balanced and it's really, you know, and the, the thing about it is again, you know, in general, you know, we've done this down the years, you know, whether or not it's a championship, you know, which, you know, I love, you know, I want to be back there later. Oh, we won't talk about that. Mm. But you know what I'm saying? But the fans down there as well, they, they come on. And they because they talk football. If you if you've got a football people, they want to talk football and they'll turn around if they lose and they say, Look, we were we were rubbish and we did X, Y, and Z, or you're a great side or you were lucky, and you get that conversation. And there was loads of that going on on that podcast, and it was really good. You know, we we lost the game and you're a bit gutted to lose the game, but sometimes it's almost like quite therapeutic to go and sit down there, talk to your opposition who aren't necessarily lording it up too much, except for that one guy sort of Stone Island man who uh <laughs> who, who switched as soon as you turned the microphone on, um, as you heard him there, you know, saying beforehand he's going oh I was really scared of Brentford oh, I was really worried about them I thought they were going to give us a right good talking you know blah this that and the other oh and then afterwards he's going no I didn't I always thought we were going to smash you like you know but other than that people are normally quite balanced and I thought there was some really good opinions after that match yeah I, I agree and uh, yeah, I always find that um, the home home big club fans uh, are more kind of um, philosophical and nice when, when they've beaten you um, um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 uh, they're a knowledgeable bunch. The, the Scousers, you know, whether it's Everton or, or, or Liverpool fans, they they know their football. They love their football. They 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 are, although they've you know been at the top table 
um, all of my adult life. Um, they, 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 they are kind of pretty much rounded. Of course, they um, they think that their their own teams, um, you know, uh, deserve or should be um, righteously at the top um, of, of, of the division the whole time. But you know, that's that's the way it has been. They get used to that. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, I haven't felt patronised as being a Brentford fan on any of the trips to, to Merseyside. Um, they don't. There's not that looking down their nose at us. I think they actually are. Um, I think they're honest enough to uh, to, to realise that we're we're not just plucky underdogs that are here for one or two seasons. That I think but they even can though, see. But we, we, we are good at what we do, there apparently. Yeah, yeah, of course we're good at what we do, which is like the ultimate back, backhanded compliment. Uh, it's like, I mean, I, I just have to say, like any 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 team that's got, uh, you know, who's got um, the, their long ball merchants in in the team, they they can't lecture us, you know, Alexander Arnold uh, that literally kicks it from his own half to cross it into the area a lot of the time, you know, it's uh, it's it's. But he does it in a creative way, Laney. He's very creative. Yeah, it's, it's good at what he does. Yeah, it's good at what he does. Yeah. So you, you know what I mean, you know. It's like, it's like, you know, you can't, if you're going to, if you're going to play long ball yourself, that, that's got to count as long ball as well. You know, you can't just be other teams that play it. And when you lump, when you lump it long, it's, it's creative. It's, it's hypocrisy there. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I enjoy speaking to the scouts as they're, they're, they're a good bunch on the whole. Yeah. And if anything, and I'm not going to put a downer on it, it's, it's for me, again, it's a shame um, that Ivan Tony, who is a Liverpool fan, it looks like, you know, this is probably the, the last opportunity to have seen him scored at Anfield in a Brentford shirt. And I'm, okay, I'm not putting a downer on it, but, you know, next season, if he's still there, it's going to be an absolute miracle. But anyway, but that's the way that it goes. Just going back to the game, um, lots of people talked about on that podcast about how, you know, if the goals were, if we were playing rugby, we'd have got 15 points. You know, if the goals a couple of inches higher, you know, we would have scored lots of goals. You know, basically they're saying that we weren't on target. Um, I mean, the stats wise, again, you know, just traditional stats wise, I mean, it was actually 17 shots to Liverpool, 16 shots to Brentford. You know, it means that there was a lot of shooting going on. We actually only had three on target. It. But if you're going down to the XG, and I know that the Gowler is going to be talking about this a little bit later as well. XG-wise, Liverpool had 1.71 to our 1.68, which means that, again, I know everyone says, oh, but you didn't score goals. Forget that, right? It just means that it was one of those ones where it could have been one all, It could have been 2 all, It could have been 2-1 either way to Brentford or to Liverpool kind of one of those scenarios just depends on what happens you know what I'm saying at the end of the day it was a 3-0 win to Liverpool um, and, and we said it the Liverpool fans said it is that they were it, the difference between the two is that they were more clinical than us on another day Brian and Bumo may have scored that goal which would have put us 1-0 ahead and it was a completely different game you just never know but I think the point I'm saying to you is that you sit down and you say it's a 3-0 game again AFTV Turkish who's on there a little bit later said mate that weren't a 3-0 game you know what I'm saying I thought you were unlucky you just didn't get them chances so it is very very much fine margins and we went away a little bit disappointed but probably not despondent um, because we knew that we actually had, had actually created something particularly with a team um, with a lot of players out yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those comments, but you know, um, it never really felt. It didn't feel like a three-nil defeat, but at the same time, it never really felt that we were going to get much out of it, especially going to get a win out of it. And I, I know the VAR disallowed goals; they kind of warp it a bit, and you could, you have to wipe those out because it doesn't. It, you know, they, they don't count in chances, um, and you obviously always expect to be under the cosh um, up at Anfield with with that team, with Mo Salah in that team, and you know the players that they've got. You know they've got some cracking players there. 
Um, so, so to be going quite close over the game in, in, in creating good chances, then I think there's a lot to be taken from that. You know, we're, you know, we know that we're we're light up top. We know that we're still. Um, you know, we've got injuries in, in key areas. You know, you know, we're going to say it again. You know, Rico out and, and Ivan Tony out, um, and you know, and Ray are out. And I'm, it might sound like a broken record with those three, but they're, they're, it does take a lot of transition. And I was surprised to see Flecken back in the team after Shrikosha played so well the previous week. But you know, he he didn't really do much wrong either he um, pulled up some great he put some really good he, saves he did yeah yeah no it was it was a it was a decent 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 game for him and there was like you know there were really you know it, it once you've taken three nil on the chin and you've taken the defeat and you kind of like you, you know you, you you understood that you're going to get nothing out of it the, the there were big positives i thought you know um Brian and Bumo again had a, an absolutely outstanding game. He was everywhere. He was he was he was playing the role of two men, and you know Yarmouk coming on, he put in a brilliant 10, 15 minutes. He looked excellent. He looked someone that's so hungry to to, to, to seize his chance and get given more minutes. And I and I think we have to we have to work out a way of getting him in the team because he is direct. He's strong. He 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 is he, he's got something about him that you know the Yanel factor. Someone someone who's going to come in on very different positions, but someone who's going to come in and once once they're there, you're not going to get rid of them because they're they're, they're going to be consistent. I I got that vibe about him. So we're we're a bit weak in in certain other areas. I just hopefully he can he can stay fit. Um, so we are going to miss a couple of people through injury probably uh, on top of the you know existing doubts um, for for the Arsenal game. But yeah, Yarmolek for me he was the brightest brightest star of the day. Yeah, and, and and interesting. I mean, again, a lot of fans talked about him on the post match podcast. You know, you like I said to you, you talk about positives you talk about positives in the match especially when you get you know you get negatives like that um so what you do is you try and highlight what the positives are um almost like pre-season friendlies where you go inside there and what you're trying to do is you're trying to find okay what are we going to get out of this game here okay it's not necessarily about the result but it's about what we can get out of this game and Yarmolik was definitely the big positive out of this game and the interesting thing if a lot of Beast fans don't know about him obviously you know that we were in for Mudrick very very early as Brentford always are and we were in for Mudrick very early if we'd nabbed him very early be interesting to see what would happen if he's actually come to Brentford as opposed to gone to Chelsea. Maybe it might have been a better home for him to develop as a player, but we don't know. So he's gone off to Chelsea under much hype and there's a lot of pressure for him there. The moment it came out when everybody else came in for him after the war had happened, because we tried to get him before the war and it didn't quite happen after the war, Chelsea and Arsenal all came in for him and the price had gone up from like 12 million to like 70 or 80 million or something ridiculous. So we were out the picture then. But then we went in for Midrick, okay? Um, we went in for sort of, sorry, for Yarmolik as well. And we went in for Yarmolik, who was much more um, below the radar, absolutely below the radar um, he was. And we've got one of our, as we know, we've got chums, we've got tomatoes all over the world as well. And we've been uh, chatting to one of our chums about the Mudrick scenario, who was feeding us information about the Mudrick situation. So we knew what was going on the whole time over in the Ukraine. Um, he's obviously not in the Ukraine anymore, but he was at the time. And then he, he just informed us, he's going, you're going for Yarmolek. He goes, wow. He goes, this player potentially 
is even better than Mudrik. He's younger than him. He's potentially better than him, but he's going to need quite a lot of development because he, he's younger and he's much rawer. But he goes potentially. He 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 really is the real deal. Like you know, so he was very very excited that we'd gone for him. Um, he came into our B team. He's developed in our B team. He's been in our B team sort of quite a long time. He's been there, I think, over a year, probably eighteen months or so. But it just goes to show you where they see that trying to get him up to speed. And I I've got listen. I trust our lot implicitly. And I'm actually really confident that seeing him now, I think they're thinking, right, he's now moving into next gear, next gear phase. And I think Yarmolek is going to be a key player for us. Maybe not this season, but next season, I think, when he can absolutely do a close season in, in the Southeast Asia. <laughs> and then he goes out there in Southeast Asia and does the business and comes back. Uh, and as long as he doesn't get injured like all our 17 players we have at the moment now, I think he's going to be very, very good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another example of us plucking plucking someone from obscurity and, and, and turning them into a Premier League ready uh, um, replacement or um, an improvement you know he, we, 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 we've been looking for those players that can kind of run with the ball at pace and with power um, uh, and, and he's, he's emerging as exactly that and I thought, I thought there was other highlights I thought Wiesa, Wiesa played alright um, you know there was uh, there was you know as we mentioned Brian and Boombo um, and then you know, I thought Christopher Iyer was was okay. He had a couple of good runs down the wing. He just signed a new contract, which is which is great as well. That kind of shows us some versatility on the right for uh, Norgard and Jensen again. They look good. Um, yeah, that, you know, Mee was back, and yeah, you know, I, you know, I, mm. I, there was there were positive. It wasn't a bad performance. It certainly wasn't a humiliation. And um, you know, where we are. We are a very, very decent uh, Premier League outfit, and it was just underlined. But you know, it, Liverpool are a, a cut above with 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 most salary in the team. So yeah, you know, it's it's it was it was uh, it's a shame it ended three 0 But um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can bounce back um, on Saturday evening. Yeah, I tell you what we're going to do is well, we actually did a. Uh, it might have been part of a podcast, or maybe it was a separate podcast itself on Yarmolik as well. But we had. Our chum actually, he actually did a piece and he did an audio piece as well on on Yarmolik as itself. And we can see if we could actually dig that out because I think it'd be very interesting because it was done over a year ago. It was done about a year, yeah, a year and a little bit ago when we signed him. Um, and uh, like I said, he's done that piece. But I'm just looking at the comments and, you know, he's chatting to him. What he said to me, he said, you know, congratulations, you've got a real talent there for next to nothing. He said, get him down the gym for a year. So already, I mean, this is a guy, he said to us already, like, you know, he's obviously not big, he's not fit enough. So you need to get him down the gym for a year before he's even ready to step into the first team. You know, he says, I said, what position? He said he can play across the midfield. He's a creative ball player. Um, he needs to develop physically, but his technical ability is immense. Um, he said uh, he's a different type of player to Mudrik. He said that he's light years ahead of where Mudrik was as an 18-year-old. Okay. And uh, and so that was that's that was his vibe. So you know, it's just giving you an idea. And like I said to you about this whole idea about Brentford plucking in players out early and identifying these players and putting them in there. So like I said to you, he is kind of potentially could be the Mudrick, but even better than Mudrick. So that makes me feel good. And this is for next season. So uh, feeling very happy there indeed. Are you feeling yeah, happy, lady? I am. Yeah, it's good to be buzzing about players rather than just kind of thinking, oh, we need to get to the next transfer window because we're not good enough. You know, or we're, we're too weak. Yeah, we do need to do that as well. And, you know, there, there will be players coming in, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure. But uh, it's nice to see, you know, the fringe players emerging and kind of making you think, oh, hold on, maybe maybe we're all right in certain areas where, where we thought we were a bit deficient. So, yeah, exciting times. 
exactly exciting time so listen we've got jb jb's got his facts and his funk and he's going to talk about all sorts of liverpool losses goals that we don't score 1889 and all sorts of stuff let's go over to jb and let's listen to his facts and his funk Jonathan Birchall back again. If winning at Stamford Bridge and beating West Ham was out of the form book over the previous couple of fixtures, so unfortunately it was a Premier League defeat at Liverpool. Although we were 1-0 down at half-time, we had gone 18 Premier League games since we last lost both halves of a game. That was a 2-0 defeat at Wolves back in April. But alas, there was no comeback this time. In the second half, Liverpool scored two goals after the hour mark. There's an increasing pattern this season, as all our goals conceded after the break has happened after the clock has hit the 60th minute. In total, 59% of our conceded goals so far have come in the second half. Last season it was 50%, and in our first, 48. Since our last win at Anfield, a 4-3 in November 1937, our last fixture was the eighth trip in League and Cup. We've lost all eight of these, and in seven of them we failed to score. The only Brentford player to put his name on the score sheet in the last 85 years is Roger Cross in a League Cup visit in 1974. A season where we were in the fourth tier and Liverpool finished as runners-up in the top tier. But playing in front of a crowd of 50,000 would have been like a dream to the 11 Brentford players who took to the field this week in 1889 in a game against Kew. This was the club's first ever match which ended in a 1-1 draw probably played in front of just a handful of friends and relatives. Although, realistically, they were not likely to have seen very much, as with a 3.30 kickoff in November, years before floodlights were used, and in a steady drizzle, the end of the match must have been barely visible to players and supporters alike. So there you go, JB, facts and funk and... Typical, typical Brentford A Laney. They, they, they don't want to go up. They, they absolutely don't want to go. I mean, even back in, even in eighteen eighty nine, they don't want to go up. I mean, they, they can only draw with Q. I mean, rubbish. Draw with Q. I mean, that's, that's really bad, isn't it? Yeah, you're rubbish. But I mean, I, I, it's a bit of a shame actually because we were both invited to the um, unveiling of the plaque. Um, I don't know if you, you knew that uh, Bees United done, done brilliantly to fund and organise with the council permission to uh, put a plaque up um, by Q, Q Bridge right on the site of the Oxford, Oxford and Cambridge pub where the decision was made to, uh, to form um, a, 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 a football team from the, uh, from the Brentford Rowing Club. Um, back in 1889, so um, JB was the person that delivered a really moving speech, really, really poignant speech um, on, on, on Wednesday morning. Um, I wasn't able to do that for, for a reason I won't go into at the moment, but it's just, um, it, was, it, was, it was just like um, really, really good to, to be celebrating the club's heritage still, um, even though you know we're we're um, at a level now we could only have dreamt about 20 years ago. You have to you have to keep looking back and um, and and reg- uh, you know recognising the people that made the, the key decisions in allowing us to be here today. Uh, and you know I just I just again pat on the back to Bees United for, for doing that. And there's a few others you know they probably have thought about this and it's something that I thought about back in the time back in the day, but. 
it's difficult to find the time to do it but you know there's if other plaques could probably be provided at, 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 on the sites where we had previous grounds and pubs where we where we had changing rooms because we, we for, before that first ever match we, we got changed in the Griffin and then walked across the across the road and, and, and played the game down Clifton Road um, and then um, we used the plough up at um, Northfields um, next to Bensfield a few times as changing rooms there could be a plaque on the wall there could be part of a tour um, and obviously where where we've had previous grounds there probably should be something to, to mark that um, as well so yeah I mean lots of ideas there's no rush for that but it'd be quite nice just to mark that and when we were moving ground there was talk um, about uh, having the approach roads to the new stadium called Harry, Harry Curtis Way or Curtis Road or to just to reflect the, the, the first great Brentford manager um, who took us from you know from the, from the lower leagues up to the top flight um, in the late 20s and early 30s something that should be a permanent reminder to his name and as well as a statue um, we there should be a the Harry Curtis statue at, at, at some time um, near the new stadium or, or, or near Griffin Park, but probably the new stadium, I, I'd say. So, yeah, lots lots of ideas to be going forward with. But, yeah, again, a pat on the back for what you've actually done this week. And um, I'll go down there and um, have, a, have a look at that before the game on, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and my belief is as well, I think that, the, the, and as JB said there as well, I think that the only time we've actually scored a goal against Liverpool was in the Harry Curtis years. We've actually only ever scored one goal against Liverpool. Up at um, Anfield. Up at Anfield. So I, I was about to say up at Anfield, and that was in the Harry Curtis era as well. So again, you know, just drawing in all these parallels as well. Tell you something, before we actually kind of move on to uh, looking towards the future, Laney, just, just going back to last week, we have to talk briefly because it was something that was talked about quite a bit on the post-match podcast. You can catch that on prideofwest.london, the post-Liverpool match podcast. Def- definitely worth a listen. Honestly, it was a, it was a good chat, even though we lost... It's really, really good to have a good listen to that and to hear what the fans have got to say, especially there's a good mix of uh, of opposition fans and and Brentford fans on there as well. But we talked about the atmosphere in the away end, um, which we can talk about probably a little bit more kind of level-headed now rather than after the game where we're, we're a little bit kind of peeved off about it. But um, the atmosphere in the away end was peculiar to say the least, wasn't it? Um, and the re- reason why we say that is that what we felt is that, you know, we we, we, we looked around and I think, I thought, was it you that turned around to me and we looked around, we sort of said, you know, we know, you know, Brentford fans, you've seen them travel home and away. We've got absolutely no problem with new fans coming in and new fans kind of coming to our club and support our club because this is what it's all about, you know what I'm saying? And obviously, as you grow as a club, you get people who support them, they're as enthusiastic about you. We've even, we've even interviewed them on, on these podcasts, you know, we've got newer kids, younger kids chatting them, and they're like, even more enthusiastic of the news. Yeah, yeah, like Chelsea. Yeah, I always knew we were going to beat Chelsea. Yeah, you know, and all this kind of stuff, which I think is really great. It was very different at Liverpool because we went there, we turned around, I think it was you or somebody said, look, I don't, I don't recognise anyone around us. That's not necessarily an issue because if everyone's going absolutely garrotty when we score, going really, really potty, that's not a problem. But the atmosphere was really dull. Now, some people may turn around and say, but that's a Sunday two o'clock kickoff. That always happens, but it wasn't that. It was the fact that you can tell that there were a lot of people around us that were either neutral neutral or neutrals who were there to watch Liverpool or probably even just Liverpool fans who couldn't get tickets in the home end. And it was really, really obvious, you know, we were trying to start up songs, other people trying to start up songs. We've talked to lots of people about this because we thought we need to get the atmosphere going. Listen, Brentford want to pick up three points. We need to have a rocking away end. But we weren't having that at all. And it's almost like those people were looking 
looking at you like you were just mad. You know what I'm saying? And you could see that they were kind of there for having a day out. Um, however, they got their tickets, we don't know, but it didn't add to the atmosphere. Now, we realise there's two things here. Brentford, uh, it's our third season in the Premier League. Uh, things are going to change. People, everyone would have gone to Liverpool. Everyone wanted to go to Liverpool first season. Some people would have gone to second season. This season now, they'll pick and choose. It's a Sunday afternoon. The trains are all messed up. They've got to get the kids back to school. It's going to be getting them back late and they've got to go to work the next day. So they'll be making some decisions. You know, so what do you do? Do you still take your full component of 3,000 people? Do you halve it to 1,500? Or do you allow, you know, other characters to come, you know, who may actually affect the match-going experience of the Brentford fans who go all the way up there. It was really peculiar, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't good at all. Um, it, it affected the day out. Um, I have to admit, it wasn't a sing-song. Um, you know, it was difficult in in, 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 in that set-up. I mean, it's always difficult when you've got, you know, when it's all, all seated, um, that the, you can't move around. So you can't you can't kind of mob up and get, get the singing singing sort of going. It's, it's difficult when it's kind of sprawled out over that over that kind of quite big away end. But it was it was worse. It was the, it was worse than I can remember. Um, and looking around, not recognising everyone. I mean, I know we, I know we know we often joke. When 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 you're when you're abroad and you bump into someone, and you go, oh, oh, I know a Brentford fan. Do you know Johnny Johnny Smith? And you go, yeah, well, I don't I don't know him by name, but I probably do know I probably do know him to look at because like you you over the years you get to know a lot of people and uh, there was none of that. I was looking around going, who, who are these people? You know, and and it, it was just 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 not right. Um, yeah. I don't know what we can do to, you know, is it better to have that than a completely sparse away end? Um, but, but also, the, and, and, and not to interrupt, I mean, mm. we, had, we had a kid with, you know, with a Liverpool tracksuit and all that lot in front of us, mm. which is, you know, it may have come with his mum, is that right or is that wrong? But other people had experience where they said that people were probably in there with their Liverpool scarves and cheering when Liverpool scored and everything like that. Now, we're not a sort of kind of like, you know, get off my land type team, you know, but it's kind of like, hold, hold on a second here. How is, how is this, you know, how is this, you know, to happen? And it's a really difficult scenario. Now, it's interesting because I saw this um, a, a, a piece on social media a couple of weeks beforehand where Burnley fans who had gone to Arsenal and they were complaining, saying, all right, so this is the end of the road now. You know, it's really embarrassing. We've turned up at Arsenal and basically our end is full of Arsenal fans, right? Who obviously couldn't get tickets in the Arsenal send, you know, and they were really bemoaning it. I was thinking, cool, that's, that's not great. You know, that's like, how did that come about? And they're going, yeah, we put, I mean, that's what happens when you put tickets on general sale, which means anyone can get them. So it's not something that is just common, common to us. It's common to quite a lot of teams. And then after that, there was an article in the, the Athletic, which talked about basically how the sort of new inverted commas is fans buying tickets in the opposition end obviously when the opposition are unable to sell tickets or opposition fans might buy tickets because they get access to them not willing to go to the game realizing that they can get 100 quid for them or 150 quid for these tickets so they go off and they sell these tickets you know especially like something like liverpool it's like wow like you know i've got access to liverpool tickets and i'm a bit skint this week so i can actually make 300 quid by buying two tickets for me and my son or you know me and my mate and there you go so there's a combination of things kind of happening out here which we understand why they happen um i'm 
absolutely not against fans. Listen, I love fans coming and watching football and getting involved and watching our team. And even if it's an away game, which we can't fill up, but they come down there and they want to support your team and make some noise, they're welcome to come down, you know, especially if it's one of those things. I do have a little bit of a problem where you've got actual opposition fans who are going to come inside there in large numbers, right, and affect my match going experience going to an away game and we did speak to the powers to be actually on the train on the way back to be fair again this is the kind of club that we are at Brentford and we can speak to you know certain people in in high positions of power and we say to them look this is what's going on and they came back to us and they, they said to us baby we mean we might need to have a little conversation about how we can move this forward but one of our suggestions is look you've got one end at Brentford which was always sold as an end where there's going to be lots of noise it was the As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I stand, okay, and people bought tickets before even we had an, uh, a safe standing area. In the end, knowing unofficially that that area you stand up and you make lots of noise so the fans in there have a particular type of mentality my argument is that saying is that why don't the club try and sell tickets we've we've had this before let's not call it and there's a whole thing about having a singing section and that's tin pot and this that the other but this is becoming a bit of a problem where they say all right tell you what we're going to put you lot in this area and we're going to sell it in this area okay and all you lot will be together and we know that you're a particular type of fan not saying the other fans are not but to solve this issue, rather than have t- two people in one corner, four people in another corner, all trying to whip up the crowd into a bit of a frenzy. And that will at least try to alleviate the situation. So if you get p- p- people like that who come to Brentford Games, right? People who come to Brentford Games who, who are not the fans, they won't be kind of mixed up in the middle. They'll be kind of on the fringes somewhere and it won't be affected as much because you'll still be able to have to get a caucus of people to make noise. My dear yeah. lady? Yeah, it is an idea. I, I mean, I, I haven't got, I don't think either of us have got the exact solution to the problem, but I think I think it's right to highlight there is a problem and there needs to be some sort of dialogue. Um, 
with fans groups and, and people that travel to every away game and people that kind of want it to get better it's easy you know I don't want I don't what I don't want to do is like fall into the trap of, of saying oh it's, it's, it's ruined everything's wrong now it, it, it's not as good as it was the first season in the Prem for, for, for a couple of reasons um, you, you're right to say that maybe you know you've been up there the last couple of times and it's been, it being a Sunday afternoon and, and, and what have you it, it made it really difficult for, for this to be the one to go to but it's what we do with the, the, the tickets that aren't going to you know home and away as um, it, 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 there needs to be um, a better solution to what's happening at the moment because it, it, with the right imaginations and with the right solution we can get that atmosphere there um, and, and it, it, it shouldn't be a library away in because the atmosphere at Anfield to start with was pretty awful um, it, it did it did pick up you know but when they had the ball in the net and after they scored the goal when things were starting to go their way, there was there was some more singing coming from you know from all round downfield. But to start with, it, it was pretty pretty dire. So maybe they have the same situation as well. But our problem, well, they, well, they do because the the, the Anfield yeah, rep yeah, yeah. on the podcast they said it's been a problem for years now at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I know. I mean, you know, yeah, I I, I agree. But I mean, we're, you know, I think it's right to focus on you know so, sorting our own problems out. And you know, I think it can be sorted. But it's not going to get sorted unless there is a, a, a big, you know, a, amount of dialogue about this. And it's not necessarily just about us talking about it on here. Some, you know, the fan groups do, do need to pick up this baton and, and, and try and get a resolution because it's only going to get worse. And then, then what happens is you get people, you know, like, like like us and a lot of others that, you know, been going home and away for donkey's years that kind of go, oh, I'm not sure I could put up with that. that. The sort of like insipid atmosphere away is going to cost, you know, God knows what it cost us as a day out, you know, a couple of hundred quid each, probably. Um, is it is it worth it just to sit there and look around me wondering who everyone is? And, you know, we're not, we're very un- um, we're very not against new fans and we're very not against sort of like introducing uh, the, the next wave of, of bees at all. That's really not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that, you know, we should be able to take, you know, two, three thousand away and guarantee an atmosphere no matter how that away end is, is made up. 100% Laney. So listen, you know, like I said, hopefully there'll be more conversations about this. Keep our fingers crossed, like I said, to you, more conversations about this down the line. Um, you know, um, and, 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 and let's just see how it goes. But like I said to you, the most important thing is that we have a good away days. We get we get people who enjoy themselves when they go to away days. And, you know, listen, we're not knocking people for coming to watch our team because like, we love our team and we know a lot of people love the bees as well. So, like I said to you, it's more about getting a scenario which works for everybody. And as, and as the powers to be have said, you know, the problem is like, you know, we talked about, you know, do we limit to say 15 hundred away tickets he said the problem with that is that you don't grow the club because you're, you're stopping people who may have started to, to 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 support the club more recently who haven't got the taps to get tickets you know what i'm saying whereas it's just wouldn't be kind of occupied by top tappers as it is which you know the top tappers might say yeah that's great because we've been for years and we make lots of noise but there's also an argument to say but who, who says that somebody who hasn't got those top taps won't make the noise so it's kind of a scenario is that how do you make the people who want to kind of be part of the kind of um, away fan experience and to make it proper and how do you get them in uh, as opposed to kind of just like, all the people who basically shouldn't be there but anyway listen 
talking about um just finally we're going to talk about this match actually we've got the gala we've got the bees breakdown posse okay um the gala based in the states and he sits down and he analyzes every single brentford game from a statistical and tactical point of view and he's analyzed the arsenal game uh the what he's actually analyzed he hasn't analyzed it yet because we haven't played it yet he's actually analyzed the liverpool game and he's actually looked forward to the arsenal game and he's going to give us the lowdown on the liverpool match and look forward to the arsenal game Hey, this is Jacob Galler with B's Breakdown. So, Brentford ended with 1.5 XG to Liverpool's 1.4, but Liverpool's post-shot XG was 2.13, which just goes to show how they made the most out of their chances. Brentford only had three shots on target, but a few good chances in the final third didn't connect. Jensen did really well creating chances seemingly out of nothing with his long passing. He connected on four out of five long passes, but a lot of what he does isn't going to stand out on the stat sheet unless Brentford are finishing their chances. Still, he ended with 0.5 XAG while Mbuma finished with eight shot creating actions, which was the most for either team. Liverpool's 6.59 PPDA shows how Liverpool's counterpressing gave the Bees trouble, which we saw in that first Liverpool goal. Uh, and then when Liverpool were in possession in their own half, they were very efficient at beating Brentford's high press and easily progressing the ball. I thought that something that was really interesting uh, was after the Bees were losing possession when building out of the back a few times, that's when Flecken started launching goal kicks and Ben Mee was in a very advanced role to try to win the ball high up the pitch. And with three at the back, there's still plenty of cover, so it allowed him to get forward in those situations. And that's something I think we're going to see even more against Arsenal, which leads us into that Arsenal preview. So Arsenal are third in the Premier League with the lowest XGA. They've only allowed opposing teams to create 9.2 XG, and they're highly overperforming their own XG. They've scored four more goals than expected this season, but some of that is due to being given the most penalty kicks. But even taking penalties out of that, they've still scored two point two and a half more goals than expected. Uh, and it's it's not surprising that they've had the most penalty kicks because they have the second most passes into the penalty area and the second most touches in the penalty area. Uh, but surprisingly, they haven't taken a direct shot off a free kick yet this season. They're the only team that hasn't. And their XG has been lower this season than last, but so has their XGA. So they're relying on building up in wide areas instead of attacking centrally this season. And that's caused a decline in their XG. But they also aren't giving up as many chances to opposing teams because of that. And against big six sides, you know, game state's going to be huge. And the good news is that Arsenal have yet to score a goal this season in the first 15 minutes of a match, which is exactly what Brentford's going to need. Uh, but the bad news is that Arsenal have scored eight goals in the last 15 minutes of, minutes of matches, which is also the time in the match where Brentford have allowed the most XGA this season. So that's definitely a, a tough task for the Bees. So, listen, there you go. Bees break down the Gowler. Just quickly, we're going to talk about Arsenal in a minute, but I just want to say Liverpool, effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks, strong at finishing. They had no significant weaknesses, according to whoscored.com. Um, Brentford created a high number of chances relative to our possession. We effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces, but we were poor at finishing. All the top-rated players were all Liverpool players. Uh, Salah, Tamika, Sir Jota, Nunes and Van Dijk, who I thought he had a great game as well, Van Dijk. 
like as well. So those are all the top players. So it kind of gives a reflection as to kind of you know as to where we're at, um, you know, from that game. But listen, you know, we move forward from that. Like I said to you, lots of positives as well from that game, and hopefully we'll be able to take them into the Arsenal game. And we're playing Arsenal Saturday, five thirty, kickoff on TNT Sport. And if you want to check TNT as well, I've got a little feature actually on TNT Sport as well. I did a little TV feature for them a few weeks ago, shooting at Griffin Park or New Griffin Park as we call it. And uh, just talking about the bees and how much we love the bees and how well we're doing in the, the, the Premier League at the moment now. So check that out. Like I said to you, I think it's going to be dropping before the match on, on, on TNT Sport. And I think it's going to be going on to a load of social media as well. So which is all good. But um, just coming back to the Arsenal game, Laney, uh, they were quite good last season and they they seem to be quite good this season. It could be a bit tricky for us, don't you think? It's gonna be really tricky for us, yeah. Um <laughs> we we you know we we've had we've had a sniff of what they're about. You know, we played them in the Caribou Cup um, you know, a month or so back, two months back. Uh we gave them a really good game. It was a very it was a very weakened Brentford team. Uh and we we gifted them the winning goal and we we were chasing the game after that and we there was a stage in the second half where we scared the life out of them and we're we're going to need to do that again we need to get them on the back foot and be good at what we're good at um as, as so many people say to us um we need things to go our way like like you always do against the top teams but i'm not i'm not looking at this game thinking like we were sort of last year I, I don't think they're at that level of consistency yet I mean I know they've only lost one game um, and I thought they were actually trying to go unbeaten again for another whole season which is the 20th anniversary of them, them, them doing that the first time uh, th- th- this this season so I, I thought Arteta had his eye on that um, Arsene Wenger record get another gold trophy so uh, yeah so of course yeah we 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 welcome a team who again another one that are going for the the, the title um they'll go close they won't they, i don't think they'll win it i think it's cities um again uh but we stand every chance of of doing some damage to their their title challenge again we we we, we clipped their wings at, um at the the emirates last season we got a point and they're still crying about that and I, I think there's every reason that we can actually beat them i think this time um it, I, I i i think under the lights on a, on a saturday night it, it means we can have a couple more beers we can we can really get up for this and i think the atmosphere inside the gtech is going to be absolutely bonkers good and, and I, if, if the team can give us, a, you know, um, come out of the traps, and we can we can get our noses in front, or you know, or, or do what we do and stay in the game until late, I think is a is a big finish under the lights, and I, I think it could be a night to remember, mate. Yeah, fingers crossed. So listen, I mean, we've got Turkish from AFTV. I had a good chat with him, actually. I went down to the ground. They did a little feature down at the ground. They did, a, I think, the uh, the pre-match pint as well with, with Brentford as well. And uh, like I said to you, they, 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 listen, we had a good chat with Turkish. I've, I've done you know numerous um, box-to-boxes, as we call it, with AFTV. I like doing it with Turkish because he gives you the opportunity just to speak and talk about football. It's not no shock jocking, as they say. He doesn't go for that. It's a, like about a long-form talking about football. So I had a little chat with him on the AFTV and then we got him on our channel just to talk about Arsenal. Let's have a little listen to what Turkish from AFTV had to say about Arsenal. So here we go. We've got a big game as we know on Saturday. 5.30 kickoff. It's on the TV. It's on TNT or BT Sport as people 
it's probably no as as well you know what I'm saying so like I said live on the box bees and it's almost like this team set us off on the right path Arsenal came down to New Griffin Park on a Friday night and boom 2-0 and all of a sudden our Premier League journey had started now I spoke to this person here that I've got with me now the day before that match it was the day before that match and I had no idea what was going to be going down he had no idea what was going to be going down at the time he thought actually Brentford they've just come up we're going to be all right. And he was absolutely stunned. Now, we're two and a bit seasons on now. We've got Turkish from AFTV in the house. Turkish, how you doing? I'm good, man. Pleasure being on. Thank you for the invite. That's all good, man. It's good to have you on. So, just talking about that game, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that time, I mean, moving on two and a bit years now, how is that period for you in Brentford World? I think we've come a long way. And by we, I think both clubs have come a long way since that day. Initially, you know, going up against a newly promoted side for your first game of the season is the exact way you want the first game of the season to go. But I remember Arsenal's transfer window that that year um, didn't fill me with much optimism. Ben White, Ramsdale were two of the signings who, look, when I say we've come a long way in the last two years, I look at Ben White and Ramsdale as key parts of us coming a long way in the last two years. But at the time... I couldn't get my head around some of the signings. Uh, we stroll up to New Griffin Park and we get turned over. Um, and it set you on your ways. I think now, two and a half years later, Brentford are a club that newly promoted clubs look at, a club that clubs in the Premier League look at and, and work, trying to work out how are Brentford so you know, sustainable? Why have Brentford come into the league and, and you know, become part of the furniture when a lot of clubs struggle up, down, up, down? And with Arsenal, I mean, you know, we finished eighth in 2021 and we just challenged City for a Premier League title in 2023. So I look at both clubs since that infamous fixture now. I say infamous, it's infamous from the Arsenal perspective. Um, and think, look, we, we've both come a long way. I think Arteta learnt from that himself. Um, and Brentford's, have really kicked on from there and tell us honestly how i mean how did you feel after seeing brentford beat arsenal that day honestly how did you feel <sighs> i just felt i'm in for another long season billy i just felt like game week one here we go again i think i felt you know i've, I've always felt arsenal should be at the top table arsenal should be fighting for premier league titles should be qualifying for champions league and competing in that competition but we was a far cry off that um, heading into that season. And to start game week one with a loss at a newly promoted side, devastating. It, it, it just felt like we're in for another season in game week one that we can just write off come game week 38. And it's not a good place to be at mentally after the first game of the season when you feel like, well, what are we playing for? So let's just move on 12 months. The following season, OK, so the following season, I mean, that because that season was so-so for us, but the following season, you had a much better season. Just quickly, talk us through that season, maybe a couple of games and everything like that, and give it a mark out of 10. We're talking about last season here, right? Well, last season, the Premier League tried to do us with another away fixture on a Friday night. Crystal Palace this time, a team that, you know, they, they regular in evening fixtures, Mondays, Fridays, whenever it is, they tend to give us a game, if not beat us. And we started the season in completely different fashion to the Brentford game. We, we, we faced up to Palace, we stood up to the test, we got the win, we got the clean sheet. And it felt like a turning of the corner because it really felt like the Premier League was putting us in it, giving us another Friday night fixture to kick off the season. All eyes on Arsenal again, away from home. And we stood up to the test. And I think 
when you look at the the Brentford game in, in at the start of the 2021-21-22 season and you look at the game against Palace at the start of the 22-23 season it's like chalk and cheese we was a lot more mature in that Palace game you know we 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 had a style of play we had a direction and we were coming off a summer that many looked at as one of our best summers in a, in a long time with um signings like Jesus and Zinchenko and so on so I mean, so I mean, so that season. So just talk to us. I mean, that season. We'll give it the marks out of ten because oh. uh, because also you know that's how it started. But how did it finish? Because you were there. It, it was it was a close to no cigar. I mean, it was a bit, bit close, but no cigar, wasn't it? Close but no cigar indeed And I'm really after a cigar I believe If I'm honest <laughs> with you um, A rating out of 10 I'd say I'd give it uh, If I'm just talking Premier League I'm going to give it a 7 I think we let ourselves down In cup competitions But if we're just going to talk about Premier League I'll give it a 7 And a lot of people might ask A 7 And I'm not saying Brentford fans would ask It's more so some Arsenal fans and maybe fans of other big six clubs, seven out of ten, you didn't win anything. You know, you finished second, but we came such a long way last season. We went from a club going into game week one last season that many people predicted to be part of a top four challenge. Many people didn't see as much of a threat to a Manchester City, essentially leaving the season as the biggest threat to Man City and going into this season that we're in now as one of the biggest threats with Liverpool to Man City's dominance. So, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I, I lean towards an 8 because the team was so young and, and for 30 games in the season, we was by far the best side in the, in the league, in my opinion. It's just the final eight, seven, eight games really let us down and injuries played a part. But, you know, injuries play a part for, for most sides, so I don't really want to dwell on that too much. So 7 out of 10 for me. All right. And we did try and help you out as well with the, with the Man City thing by just giving them a couple of licks, you know what I'm saying, and uh, beat them twice that season. But still, it wasn't good enough, man, you know what I'm saying? So you, 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 you have to realise that you do owe it to us, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you kick off tomorrow at 5.30, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is all good. So look, coming on to this season now, OK? So this season, are you happy with your start to this season? I, I am. I mean, we're one point off City and... <laughs> If people are familiar with my fan cams on AFTV and my thoughts in general, I have been concerned that time this season with the lack of fluidity and the chemistry. We're not creating as many chances as we did last season and we're not as exciting as we was last season. But in the last few weeks, I'm not a fan that's after good football. I'm a fan that's after Arsenal challenging. And however that may come, it may come. I, I know we was, you know, spoiled under Arsene Wenger with, with exciting, free-flowing football with great technical players and... If you ask me a way to win, that would be the way to win. But for me, if we can win a league title by controlling most games, being mature in most games, by nullifying the opposition in most games, I'll take it every single season. And I feel like that's what Arteta's development has been this season. I think we came close last season, but he's kind of tried to get a lot more control this season. And that's been, you know, at, at the risk of chances created. But we head into December, or at this international break now, one point off City. So I'm not here complaining. I had concerns, but like I said, come game week 38, if we're top of the pile and we've controlled the most, you know, controlled games throughout the season and it hasn't been the most exciting, I'll take it. Uh, and your, what's your best game so far this season? So far this season, PSV stands out to me, the 4-0 win in the Champions League. If we're talking Premier League, then it's a more difficult one, but Man City, because we really needed that win against Man City. It wasn't the, the, the most beautiful of games. What's the score? 1-0. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, you know, a great goal. It was a deflected goal from Martinelli coming up to the 90th minute. But we needed to get over that, that mental block that we had against Man City. Over the last couple of years, Arteta's managed to you know, win games away from home against big six sides consistently, win games at home against big six sides. 
it's just Anfield and Etihad that are the kind of the last two ticks that need to be um, checked off come the end of the season. But we struggled against Man City at the Emirates year in, year out too. So that win for me has to be the one this season. And the worst? The worst... Listen, we lost against Newcastle, but that 2-2 to Tottenham, even though Tottenham are having a great start to the season, we usually beat them at the Emirates. We beat them home and away last season and it just felt like, yeah, Tottenham do, do look good this season. And I thought we might have been the game to stop that momentum they had, but, you know, they deserved their point. So that was probably the worst one for me this season. Arsenal, I mean, you talked about Arsenal and this season, how they're growing and they matured. This squad, I mean, are you happy with the squad? Is there anybody that you're, that you're happy, excited about and anyone that you think should do better? I'm very excited about Rice. I mean, I knew Rice was a good player at West Ham. Um, I'm seeing a great player here at Arsenal. Not to say he wasn't great at West Ham. I didn't watch West Ham week in, week out. He, he picked up a European trophy for them. But I'm most excited about Rice because he looks like a key component in a... Not just a title win inside, but he looks like he can be a key component in, in a in a league dominating side. He looks like he he's got all the attributes that you'd, you'd liken to great midfielders in the past in great teams that have won multiple titles or, or, or challenged on the European stage. So I'm most excited about Rice, most disappointed about another summer signing, and that's Kai Havertz because I'm, I'm yet to see anything. It's literally the opposite of everything I'm seeing in Rice. I expected Havertz to come in and. Listen, I know he's had a tough time at Chelsea over the years and I know there was, there was a player there at Leverkusen, quality player at that. I, I even see clips till today and wonder where that player has gone. So I trust Arteta that you want him. It's a big, it's a big move, 65 million. I expect to see something on the ball and everything I've seen from Havertz has come off the ball, whether it be tackling his physicality or his aerial winning ability. I just haven't seen enough, so I'm most disappointed with that player so far. Arteta, we talked about him as a manager as well. I mean, you were a little bit shaky about him, you know, in the in the early days, in the early Brentford 2-0 at the New Griffin Park days, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But obviously time has moved on. Your thoughts on Arteta and how he's been doing for Arsenal? Um, I mean, Arteta has done a great job, in my opinion, to, to, to bring us to the top table. I, I, I was on a panel show the other day and... Um, a lot of the panel of fans of opposition clubs and they you know labelled Arteta's greatest achievement as the FA Cup for me it's not his, his greatest achievement is bringing Arsenal back to where we are now which is a team that can challenge at the top along the way he had to, he had to reconnect the, the club to the fans he had to shift out a hell of a lot of players and a hell of a lot of money he had to bring in a hell of a lot of players and he had to then implement his own philosophy and for a manager that wasn't a manager before Arsenal Football Club at times, I did have doubts. At times, I, I thought to myself, is this the guy to do it? He hasn't got the experience. And in football, experience goes a long way, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch too, in, in a managerial position. So I had many doubts over the years, but slowly but surely, though, those doubts have been knocked out of the park, whether it be a top four challenge the season before last or whether it be a title challenge last season. You can see the progress that's been made. We're at a time now where all that progress has been great. It's time to, you know, try and get over the line in one of these majors now. And by majors, I mean Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup and start bringing in some titles now because I feel like Arteta deserves it. I feel like Arsenal deserve it the way we've gone about it with the young side, the football we've been playing and generally the pressure that's been on the young team's shoulders. They've managed to, you know, swat away any doubts and really kick on year on year. So it's a big, it's a big year or two for Mikel now. Yeah, so... 
We've got a game on Saturday. Like I said, your big game, New Griffin Park 5.30 kickoff. You're playing Brentford, who have caused you problems in the past. You know what I'm saying? We, we got that win. We also got that draw, which I know a lot of Arsenal fans keep on going on about. They keep on going about the goal and the lines and Ivan Tony and this, that. They forget to mention about... Um, Brian and Bume scoring a goal that should have been allowed, but it wasn't allowed. But anyway, but as Brentford fans, we don't really go on about things like that. We just move on with our lives, you know what I'm saying? However, um, like I said to you, we caused you a few problems. So Brentford, you know, what to talk, just talk to me about Brentford and, and, and is any 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 concerns you have about our team and players? I've definitely got concerns against Brentford. Um, it wasn't that long ago we started the season in that fashion against you. But look, look you haven't got Ivan Tony, but you've shown that you can compete without Ivan Tony. You've you've got big wins this season, and and you're you're mid table at the moment. And I expect you to to kick on for the rest of the season. You're that team. You mentioned it on the box to box we've done on AFTV. You can be, you, you you can be a disruptor to the to the big six to the title with um, chasing sides. So Brentford, I always look at it as a difficult game. I always, you know, I, I never look past a Brentford game, whether that's at the Emirates or, or away here at New Griffin Park. Um, I'm expecting a tough game. Um, Mbomo was one for me that even before Tony's absence, Mbomo for me was underrated. His performances used to go quite under the radar because there was other stars in the team. I think now that, you know, Tony's got taken a back seat for the next, you know, until January, Mbomo's really kicked, kicked on and, he takes penalties now as well. He's in my fantasy team. Uh, Rico Henry's another one. Unfortunate now that he's out. I thought that he's on the way to a um, England call-up and a potential chance for Euro 2024. Considering the problems that England have in the fullback position, that fullback position in particular. Um, but he's out of the game. I just wanted to give him a mention because he he had a great start to the season, and I do think he'll he'll kick on when he comes back. Mbomo's the one we we saw against us in the Carabao Cup. Really should have scored, in my opinion, but he was always in a position to score. So that's something we're going to have to look out for because as much as we rotated in the Carabao Cup. We had a strong team there too. So to allow Brentford the chances we did, it was concerning. I think, you know, we won that game and it was a great away win. But Brentford should have got a goal. Similar to, you know, your last match out against Liverpool. Listen, Liverpool are ruthless in front of goal. But I just don't know how Brentford didn't get a goal or two back. Um, so We're Brentford, saving it for Saturday then. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Listen, if that happens, then Billy, yeah, we might be in for a long night as Arsenal fans. But um, definitely, definitely, I've, there's concern there playing Brentford any time. Look, you... How many teams can say? How many teams in the Premier League can say they beat City at the Etihad? Not many. I can, I can only think of Brentford and Tottenham off the top of my head. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Actually, the Tottenham beat them at the Etihad. They didn't last season, but maybe the year before. I don't know. But Brentford and Palace. Let's stick. Let's stick on those two. So that that shows in itself that you can. Be, you know, you are a difficult team to go up against. So so listen. I mean, I would say the game on Saturday. How's it going to pan out then? Arsenal going to win. Um, how it pans out and how that result comes about, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm, you know, I'm expecting a tough game. I expect both teams to score. But I think Arsenal should and will have the quality to get the win at the end, especially when we look at Man City-Liverpool facing each other. It's predicted that the, the league title will be decided between City, Liverpool and Arsenal. So if, if, I'm, you know, if I'm an Arsenal player and I'm looking at our two closest rivals playing each other, this is a chance to capitalise. You don't get many of these chances this season. You get two. Man City play Liverpool twice. And this is one of the ones we have to take. So I think we should get the job done and use that use that knowledge that Man City and Liverpool will either both drop points or one will drop points and, and you know, do what we need to do on the pitch. OK, so I like, I like that. I think we should get the job done, which means you're not 100% confident, which is good. So give us a score prediction. 2-1 Arsenal. 
2-1 Arsenal Turkish. I'll be giving my score prediction a little bit later in the podcast with the rest of the crew. But listen, Turkish has been great. Like I said to you, I've been on the AFTV as well if you want to check out AFTV. Um, but, uh, box to box. Yeah. Box to box is my, what's it, third, fourth? It must be about, about fifth, 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 maybe, fourth, fifth. Fifth box to box. Oh you're my you're God. You're a legend, I'm telling you. Oh God, this yeah, is... Listen, Billy's a legend on box to box, people. So if you enjoy Billy's content here, then just search up Brentford. Arsenal box to box using number two for the two and you'll you'll see at least four videos of of me and Billy talking and it's not just those games we're talking about Billy's got a vast depth of knowledge and you know he's a he's a wise guy beyond his beyond his years so talking to Billy every time I learn stuff and the comment section learns stuff too so if you're after content if you're craving some more Billy to be search box to box Brentford Arsenal this is all good. Like I said to you, the first one was shot actually in the stadium before any fans had been there even. So it was fresh and we sat in there for an hour and just chatted away. And it was a really good chat as well, actually. I really, really enjoyed it. So it's all good. You know, typical, different, different type of vibe because it's like talking about football, just chatting football and old school football and new school football and none of this jock shock, um, the yeah. shock jock business. You know what I'm saying? It's much more football chat which I know like our besotted listeners like listening to as well so I'd say as well and that's why I come on to your podcast because I do enjoy chatting football with you like I said to you um, uh, it's on AFTV um, box to box go and check it out but anyway like I said to you Turkish it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you today Um, we'll chat after the game no doubt 100% hopefully I'll be chatting with a big beaming smile on my face I might not answer yeah that's right (laughs) that's what normally happens and then I'll catch up with you later in the season Listen, thank you very much, Billy. And listen, big up all the Brentford fans, man. One of the nicest fan bases that I've come across, not only this season, but I've been going football for 25 years now. One of the nicest set of fans I've, I've met. Um, great new stadium, but still have kept that community vibe. A lot of clubs build a, a new stadium and they got lost in the commercial corporate source. Brentford have a brilliant stadium, but that, that community feel is still very much here. Yes, Turkish. I'll catch up soon. Nice one, Billy. Take care. There you go, Turkish from AFTV. Quite confident that the Arsenal are going to get a result against the Bees. Uh, knows it's going to be a bit of a bit of a bit of a sticky wicket for them, but again, you know, he's looking at greater heights. You know, uh, I think he was knocked, as you could hear, he's knocked the wind out of him when he beat them two 0 that time, and I think they've just realised that they can't rest on their laurels anymore when it comes to the bees but uh you know listen they've got a great side i mean they they've, they've gone through the players that they've got in their side and it's just it's mind-blowing what they've got so in principle if they put that together i think um they should in principle i'm not saying i should think in principle they should do the business but as i said to him i think i said it to him on AFTV, i think thomas frank prefers to play against arteta than he does to play against deitch because as, as, as i've explained in the podcast a few weeks ago when i met deitch a few weeks ago and I told him, the, J, the JB fact, we've played them seven times and Deitch has beaten us seven, six times as a manager at Brentford. We've only beaten him once and we kind of haven't got the best of him. However, I think Frank likes to play against teams like the Arteta type teams because this takes his tactical now to a next level. And that is the thing that I think that we may have in our bow, which may keep us within this game. What do you reckon, Laney? Yeah, I, 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 I think... In our in our armory, there's there's a lot to to hurt Arsenal or, and a lot to worry them. Um, Arteta will know that he, he gets he gets he's, he's most sortiest against against us. Um, and I think there's a there's a sprinkling of salt to to to, 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 to shake all over him on, on Saturday. I, I think we just have to make sure that we we go at them um, and, we, and we and we and we want to attack because a couple of games I've seen recently. Uh, 
where Arsenal just just haven't they they've been well within their comfort zone because the, the away team or the home team haven't haven't really been confident enough to 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 go on the front foot. I, I don't think we're going to see that. You know, it, it's going to be a performance that is going to be a, a set up, a, a selection, and a mentality and, and tactics that are going to be. Um, set up to, for us to go and beat them. I, I don't think Thomas Rank of the team have got will take a point now um, mentality about about their approach to this match. And I think you know, as, as I've said a couple of times already, I think we're we're shaping up for what could be a really big Saturday night, mate. Let's keep the fingers crossed, like I said to you. We're all, we're all listen, you know, as we do beforehand, afterhand. We almost like prepare the beforehand party, the afterhand party, just in case it doesn't go right. Well, I'm not planning part. I'm not planning party mode. But <laughs> I, I, I think if I think if it's if it's a sunny day, if the sun's out, I think we ought to have a, a pre kind of couple by the river. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I think that's you know not necessarily the walk, but just like a couple of couple of strand on the greenies and then like head to the globe, um, which I, I still say the globe's just the best match day pub there is in, in Brentford, mate. So yeah. like you know, if if you if, if you're if you want to come down and join us before the game out in the beer garden and have a have a have a have a chat about Brentford, you're you're always all welcome, um, and afterwards as well. It's certainly not a clique down there, so yeah, get yourself down the globe, have yeah. a pint, come and have a chat with us. Home and away fans as well. You know, if, if you've got the manners, as we say, as away fans, listen, I mean, Brentford, you can go anywhere, any pub, as long as you've got the manners, you come there, have a drink, have a chat and just do the manners, as we say. Just coming back to Arsenal as a team, just looking at their strengths and weaknesses, Laney, um, attacking set pieces, very strong. Creating long shot opportunities, very strong. Defending set pieces, very strong. Attacking down the wing, strong. Finishing um, scoring chances, strong. Stealing the ball from the opposition, strong. And they're weak at defending counter-attacks. So it looks like counter-attacks is going to be then, isn't it, lady? <laughs> yep, that suits us. You know, that's, it'd be two counter-attacking teams, probably. You know, it's 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 going to be, it, it really is going to be like a, a fascinating tactical uh, kind of like um, yeah uh, exercise on on Saturday. You know, Declan they got Declan Rice there now. Um, you know, although we our record against. Declan Rice teams is is all right, you know. We've we've beaten West Ham every time we played them, and he, he he was apart from this season, he he was involved in all of them. So, you know, we yeah, of course you're you're wary, but I don't think we fear anyone. No, okay. So things I've got to change up a little bit as well. Um, they're going to have to change up a little bit because Nathan Collins, our defender, centre back, he got injured over in uh, playing for Ireland as well in the Euro qualifiers, which was a little bit frustrating. We were very worried because uh, ligament damage, as they called it, we thought that it looks like he's going to be out for months, could be out for to the end of the season. When's it going to be? And then somebody posted up that they saw somewhere on the internet that he might only be out for a couple of weeks. So maybe the ligament damage isn't as bad as it is. But the fact is, he's going to be out for this match. And he's been really good for Brentford, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Uh, I think he had a couple of games where his his form dipped, but he's certainly he's certainly been very strong in this last the last few few games um, for sure. But it's, it's great that we've got me back now. So uh, you know, at least there is there is some cover there. There's obviously Zanka, which is always he's he's the permanently overlooked player in our squad. The ones we forget we've even got until we think, oh yeah, Zanka plug that gap and he's and he's he's never really let us down at all ever so um you know I, I think there are options um and you know it's 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 uh not great but it's it's not like it was 
you know, a couple of months ago when me was out of the picture where you'd be worrying, you know, how we were going to plug that gap. So, yeah, so get get fit soon. But, um, yeah, we'd be all right, I think. Uh, yeah, and again, but obviously, you know, with teams like Arsenal, teams like Arsenal, you haven't heard that for a while. Um, the teams like Arsenal, we normally go sort of three straight five at the back. So, you know, so we go with the three centre to the back. So, and, and obviously with Collins being out, this is the question. Is it a case that, you know, does Zanka come in? So we go three at the back. Um, or is it a case that we go, you know, four, you know, four at the back like we do in, in other matches? And again, this is the big question with, um, with Thomas Frank. I mean, is he a person that just sticks to his guns to say, this is where we're going to go? And he drills it in with the players and makes them play that way. So he'll bring Zanka in and Zanka actually will be playing in that position or will we actually flip the script? I mean, we don't know, do we? No, I mean, I, I guess there's obviously an, always an option now of playing Yin out at, at, uh, on the left, left back. And does does do we remix the uh, the, the midfield so Yarmolek gets to start? Is is that is that the kind of is that his chance? I, I don't know if we can, um, you know, remix the the midfield and, and incorporate. You know, I, 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 Thomas Frank has got options and he's got some exciting ones. It's whether he he goes kind of. Uh, slightly experimental or he, or, or he kind of just you know makes one change and uh, keep keeps things as consistent as he can because you know the game um, up at Anfield showed you know we, we can mix it with with the best and um, and and still create so I, I don't I don't think he'll bring too many changes but you know it's, it's, I'm, I'm kind of uh, shooting the breeze there yeah, again, shooting the breeze. And like I said, Yarmouk is the big question mark as well. Will he come into the side after performing as he's done, as he did on 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 Sunday against Liverpool, or, or again, do you bring him off the bench to 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 form a bit of an impact situation as well? I mean, his control of the ball has been fantastic. You know, is this something that we need? You know, do you, do you play Arsenal's? You know, do you play Arsenal's game against them? Do we go toe to toe with Arsenal? I mean, the way that we normally play, we actually don't go toe to toe with teams. You know, if a team is great at possession football. You know, and playing that, you know, we don't actually normally go toe to toe with them. We, you know, we normally play a different game. We, we go long. We use our strengths. You know, so is is it the same against Arsenal? If we we worked out what they, we obviously we worked out what their weaknesses are. So the personnel that we put out there will reflect that. Uh, I'd say to a certain extent, but I'm, I'm actually really excited to see Yamalek coming on. Uh, he will feature at some stage in that game, whether or not he'll start or not is going to be a bit of a question mark. So, I mean, listen, Arsenal uh, at the weekend, like I said to you, I'm, listen, I'm looking forward to a great day out. I've got a, got a cup match with my Panthers, my Barnet Panthers girls in the morning. So I've got an early start. I'll be up, I'll be out. I'm on a football pitch from nine o'clock in the morning, play AFC Wimbledon. So we'll see how that goes. So fingers crossed. If we get a result there, then I'm literally, when the final whistle goes, I'm legging it down to Strand on the green and I'm going to be joining you, Laney, and whoever else wants to come out and have some beers with us down on the, by the river for a few hours before heading down to the globe and that for me is the pre-match and hopefully that will set up the Arsenal game nicely just like we set up the Arsenal game the first game of the season first day of the season two years ago where we had a nice good pre-match and then by the time we got inside the stadium the place was absolutely rocking absolutely yeah I, yeah I've said it a couple of times I'm really looking forward to uh, to Saturday evening mate um um, are we going to do predictions? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just opening it up to you, Laney. What okay, are you saying? Well, I'm, I'm going. I'm going two-one Brentford win, mate. Oh, that's funny because I, 
I went on the AFTV and I'm pretty sure that I said, was it a 2-1 Brentford win or a 1-0 Brentford win? I actually have to go back on that. But I've gone for a win as well. I think I'm going to go for a 1-0 on this podcast because I don't want to duplicate what you said. But I've actually gone for a win for the Bees as well. Um, just because I think it's just one of those ones where we've got absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing at all. Uh, we, we're, we're, you know, we haven't talked about the Everton points deduction. Um, no. So that that that's plunged them into uh, into relegation mire uh, again. So, you know, we, we're certainly we're almost certainly not looking over our shoulders at any time soon. So, you know, the the winning away at, at Chelsea and uh, you know that that result in particular meant that we have, we have got a free hit. And you know we, we we can afford to to, to attack these teams, and um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm expecting, mate. That's right, that's right. So listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget to buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. Thank you to everyone who's bought us a beer so far, and we'll have, we'll have a few of them in the pub before and after the game on Saturday against Arsenal as well. Don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels and also write us a review in those podcast um, um, channel places like Spotify and, you know, I don't think you do Spotify, but, you know, and iTunes and all these other places as well, which is all good. And like I said to you, um, don't forget we'll have podcasts next Thursday again, Pride of West London. Also, after the game, we're going to be going sticking microphones under people's noses and giving you a listen post match reaction straight after the match uh bees fans and also arsenal fans as well will be letting us know exactly what they think of that match but like i said to you i've i've enjoyed having a little chin wag with you after a week off laney which has been all good yeah good podcast mate well done thank you yeah. oh yeah congratulations to yourself as well so my name's billy grant like i said to you and we've got <laughs> we've got lady of the house good afternoon this is all good, good afternoon so we'll catch up with you we've got no arsenal saturday we've got down, down by the river we've got a drink what else we say okay. on you bees oh, come on you bees let's be the arse that should do them you bees Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.